Welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast. And here we are this week interviewing Keith Tucker. Keith Tucker is the founder of Hip Hop is Green, and he was at our convergence, our last convergence of the people, BCOP 13 through Climate Hillers, gave an amazing presentation. So if you want to see that, we have that available for you on YouTube and other sources on our Trello board. Wow, I was so moved, Keith, by your presentation that I wanted the grandmothers to interview you. The work that you're doing and and the, the thing that really struck me is the connection that you make with the children. So you don't just talk about, um, you know, these planting trees and we need to do that or that we need to go, you know, get our hands in the soil and get to understand about vegar, veganic, like living soil and how to do that. But you actually teach them. So it's, it's, it's just so present for them at this point. So I want you to take it away. Talk a little bit about how Hip Hop is Green came about. And I'm so honored to have you here, Keith. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here and um, really fortunate to uh, um, have come on the uh, the the show uh, last week and it was really a good time. Um, yeah, so I used to actually be a radio host myself. Uh, I had the Keith Tucker show on 1150 AM KKNW for a couple of years. Um, and my show was really about teaching people about hip hop culture as opposed to what rap music is. A lot of people think that hip hop is rap music, but hip hop is a culture that has different elements uh, involved in the culture of hip hop. So uh, um, that was what my show, the Keith Tucker show was about. So I did series, you know, I did my first series was like, uh, I think it was 16 weeks and it was a show called Hip Hop Beyond Rap. And I brought in legends and pioneers that would talk about each element of hip hop culture that they mastered for more than 30 years of working in that area. So it was really cool. Um, but, you know, I came up with the really cool concept of interviewing people in hip hop that are vegan. And uh, that I had never heard of people doing that on the radio before. And, you know, I'm Keith Tucker. I like to do things uh, that nobody's done before. <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, um, I did my first research trip to a place called the Seattle Veg Fest. And ironically, I will be at the Veg Fest this weekend uh, in Puyallup, Washington. So um, that's kind of ironic. But back then, and in, in actually in 2008, I went on my first ever trip to discover veganism. I was not a vegan at that time. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought it was some tofu, some nuts, and trees. <laughs> you know, that nasty tofu square was in my mind. I was like, it's just a white tofu square. Oh, no. You know, I don't want to eat that. But anyway, I went to the Veg Fest, and um, I walked in, and I will be honest with you, I was the only person of color in the whole room. <laughs> it was just all white folks. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I was like, there's no young people here either. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I uh, met the guy that produced the event. Uh, his name is Stuart Rose. And Stuart uh, was in his, I think he was in his early 70s at the time. So he's older Jewish guy. And I said, hey, you know, why isn't there any black folks in here? And why isn't there any kids? And he said, well, what's your name? And I told him my name and what I do and all that stuff. He said, well, why don't I take you out to dinner and I can tell you all about it. I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. So we're at dinner 
And now he's telling me the story and he said, you know, listen, Keith, I went into the black community and I'm talking to kids and I'm trying to get them to be a part of veganism. And they're just looking at me like I'm from Mars. I just, I can't reach them. And I'm like, oh, I know what it is. You're not cool. <laughs> so that is the the impetus for us to uh, start uh, for us to start working together. I said, hey, listen, I mentor about a hundred kids. I've got dancers and rappers and friends in the entertainment industry. Um, I'll bring all the people. You do all the food, and we'll call it a hip hop green dinner. And that's how the first hip hop green dinner that I ever did happened on June 22nd, 2009. And so um, from then on, um, I went to serve over 40,000 free meals all around America to young people at these hip hop green dinners. And, you know, people um, would come that I didn't know that were a part of hip hop culture, that were vegan, that were organic farmers, that were into medicine, shamans. I mean, all kind of walks of life of people, doctors, nutritionists, um, and they all loved hip hop. And they thought that what I was doing was very unique because this was the first time that, you know, a plant-based hip-hop tour ever went around the country. So, um, you know, it was an amazing time that we had doing that. And so, you know, our organization throughout the years has always been evolving. You know, um, I started with one little dinner. I took that dinner into a whole tour. And then in 2016, um, I came up with the great idea of adding health and wellness as the 10th element of hip hop. Um, and so now health and wellness is a part of hip hop culture. And so, um, you know, just continually uh, innovating um, with what we're trying to do to get young people and people involved in plant-based eating. Now, I knew the connection back when I did my first research in 2008 and nine and all that stuff about the connection between eating plants, animals, the environment, factory farming. It was, I, I knew all of that stuff. It was just really, really alarming to me about what was happening to the planet. Um, but my concentration at the time was on getting my communities and other communities healthy, you know, and getting them plant-based because cancer, diabetes, heart attack, stroke, all of these things are prevalent in, uh, in our communities. And so I wanted um, uh, young people to be, you know, involved in plant-based eating and get them exposed to new products that they never had, you know, eaten before. And a lot of people that have come to a hip hop is green dinner have been, have went vegan from, you know, attending our events. And that was really uh, crucial to me because when I went to my first event at the Veg Fest, like I told you, I uh, walked up to a sign and the sign had a big giant almond on it and it said almond milk. And I was like, how in the hell are they getting milk from an almond? <laughs> I mean, and this was back in the early days before everybody knows about almond milk, right? So I tried the almond milk. I was like, oh my God, this is just, this is better than regular milk, you know? And I was like, I'm done. I don't, I'm not drinking milk. And, you know, I, I found some cheese and all the different stuff and I got rid of dairy. 
just from going to the Veg Fest. And so we call that at Hip Hop is Green, the epiphany moment. The epiphany moment happens when you suddenly realize something that you never realized before, and it just alters the, the, your, your path in life. And we, we're trying throughout these years to create that epiphany moment for all the kids that come to our events. That's what we do. Um, you know, and, you know, then the, the pandemic happened. And obviously, you know, I do events. And, you know, now we're in quarantine, we can't do events anymore. Um, you know, and I'm at a, a a pivotal point in our organization where I had to make decisions on what direction we were going to go. And, you know, luckily for me, um, I've always been um, someone who can come up with really cool ideas. And, you know, I've always been really creative. Um, and, I, and, you know, a lot of people in hip hop are that way. I'm just creative when it comes up to different ideas and concepts and you know, business stuff like that. Um, so I came up with the concept of uh, of working with our youth at our farm and going back to the soil, basically. <laughs> and as I was saying last week uh, on the on the call, um, you know, my grandmother um, taught me from a baby how to grow food. And so uh, um, fortunately for me, we still own the land that my grandmother purchased and my grandfather. And, um, you know, we uh, I, I turned that into a farm in 2019. And basically what, what it is, is on Tuesday, we would uh, take kids and teach them how to cook food in the kitchen, all different plant, kind of plant-based food. And then on Wednesday, we'd take them to uh, the garden, which is called Cherry Street Farm. And we teach them how to grow food. And a lot of them, I noticed, didn't know how to use farm tools, um, didn't know, um, you know, what a hoe was or any of these farm equipment that we had. Some of them have never even put a nail in uh, with a hammer and, and, and hammered in a nail. And I was like, wow, man, like these are skills that they need to learn and we're going to teach it to them, you know. Um, so we did the whole program. It was a small little class, maybe about 15 kids. We did it for the whole summer, um, you know, and they really enjoyed it. And afterwards, I uh, did a, um, a little questionnaire to see, you know, like, hey, you know, what did you like from the program, what you didn't like and all of that stuff. And you know, I figured that the the thing that they would really like would be, you know, in the kitchen cooking all that wonderful food, but they actually liked growing the food better than cooking the food. So I was like, okay. So I was thinking about that stuff while I was in quarantine. And, you know, we had a really, really lush garden and shout out to my farmer, Farmer Mel, who takes care of our, our garden there at Cherry Street Farm. Um, we grew everything you can think of, um, squash, greens, uh, peppers, onions, um, just everything you can think of, we grew there. Big, giant, 12-foot dandelion, uh, not dandelion, sunflowers, you know, those big, giant ones. Um, so it was just a beautiful place. Yeah, huge dandelions are really good for us, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah a, a dandelion. Dandelion tea is wonderful. We used to make that at our events. So yeah, people don't know that uh, medicinal uh, thing, dandelions. Yeah. Well, Canada, when it's the very first green that comes up in the spring, so the dandelions, and that's all I eat from my grains during the when the 
when the gri grizzly bears come out of hibernation before the berries are available, the fields of dandelions are just cleared because they're 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 healing their sluggish liver over the winter. And yeah, I, I do the same. So yeah, thank you. So there's all this forage stuff. You're the super cool person that they can relate to. And yeah. they're happy to grow the food because it's empowering. I mean, maybe some of these children didn't have a lot of food growing up. And they're like, dang, I can, I can, I can grow my own food. Yeah. I don't you, have you know to on anyone. That's huge. Yeah. You know what it is, is we're, we're, we're cut off from nature. That's what it is. This generation of kids, um, you know, are, 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 and I won't say all, but a lot of them are cut off from nature and we need to get them back into nature and get their hands in the dirt. And it's calming. It's good for your mind. Um, it's just a relaxing wonderful time to be out in nature and to be able to accomplish something working hard you know in the garden because you can get a good workout working in the garden too pulling weeds all that stuff so you know it was just a regular garden that we had i mean there's you know we didn't have that much space the 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 plot of land that we have is right in the middle of seattle in the central area um, and it's an urban area so we don't have that much space but we made use of it as much as we could um, but when we were in quarantine, I really wanted to revitalize and refresh and renew what we were doing then and come up with a concept where we could uh, create a curriculum and create a spot that was used uh, effectively and, and in an innovative way. So I had been studying all different kinds of uh, modalities of growing food. Uh, you know, um, whether it's aquaponics or, you know, um, there's there's these uh, uh, socks that you can grow food in. If you're uh, you don't have access to uh, um, really good soil, you can grow it in these soil socks. Um, there's hydroponics, you know, go ahead. Hemp bags. I travel with a hemp bag and I, I sprout all my greens in my hemp bag. I just have to I find rinse them twice a day and I have a great big bag of green in it. and they're just like little really simple hemp bags and hemp is so organic and natural so yeah 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 we're we're doing some of that too actually at Cherry Street Farm you know just to show the different ways that you can grow uh food so it's basically Cherry Street Farm and lab and so, you know, when I was coming up with the concept, um, I stumbled upon hydroponic uh, growing um, and it's called Freight Farm. So it's a big 40 foot container that I can grow two and a half acres of food in. Um, and I can grow 500 different uh, varieties of plants and herbs and all of that stuff. Like we can teach kids uh, science, technology, engineering and math um, in the lab. So um, that was the direction that I chose to go. Um, and also we're building a kitchen right next to the lab too. So you've got the kitchen there. And, and again, it came from that small little um, program that we did where we taught kids how to cook on Tuesdays and we took them on Wednesdays to the farm. And now we have all of that going on at our farm. We, um, we are, um, you know, doing the uh, foundation and, and, and all that stuff. It's happening this summer. So the kitchen is starting to be build, built and uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, yeah, and, you know, we work with kids uh, also too, as you know. Um, basically, uh, we've developed a, a curriculum along with what we do at the farm, right? 
Um, and that curriculum is based on the 14 years that we've been involved in Hip Hop is Green and the things that we have learned from working with kids. And, and also, it comes out of the 10th element of hip hop. And if people want to see what that is, they can go to our website at hiphopisgreen.com and check it out. We have a um, you know a whole section that talks about the tenth element. Um, but Would the tenth element. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about the tenth element. Yeah. So um, hip hop has been around. Uh, actually, it's the fiftieth anniversary of hip hop culture this year. Uh, hip hop was uh, um, started in um, 1973 by a guy named Cool Herc in the Bronx, August 11th. So we know, <laughs> we have a, a, a long history uh, with uh, the culture, but it was just um, him uh, coming from Jamaica, um, and basically they took um, a lot of programs out of the school for music. Um, Young people couldn't go to the discos at the time. Uh, they were too young, and most of the discos wouldn't let them in the discos in uh, in New York. So they started parties out in the uh, recreation centers and uh, um, places like that, and uh, it evolved into um, you know different elements. Um, the DJ is the first element of hip hop because of Cool Herc, um, and Cool Herc took his microphone and told somebody that can talk really good, go out in front of my uh, equipment and tell everybody how good of a DJ I am. And that's how the first MC or rapper was created with that guy that was on that mic. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, it uh, evolved into uh, breakdancing. Um, you know, that's a special thing that only hip hop has and uh, graffiti is a part of it. So those were the four core elements of hip hop culture for many years, all the way until the 80s. And at, at that time in the 80s, um, they uh, uh, added different, uh, more elements into the culture. So um, like I'm telling you now about hip hop culture and I'm telling you how my grandmother taught me how to farm and things like that. You know, we learn a lot of things outside of the traditional school environment, right? In hip hop, we call that street knowledge, okay? Maybe your grandmother's in the kitchen and teaching you a recipe to cook and you take that recipe and you learn it and now you, you do it and you teach it to your kids, right? That's what street knowledge is for hip hop. So that's the fifth element of hip hop culture, street knowledge. Um, and then, like I said, when they took the music out of schools, um, I think it was Reagan who did that. Um, and, you know, we no longer had instruments. People actually made music with their mouths. And it's called beatboxing, right? And I don't know if a lot of people know what that is, but look it up. I'm not a good beatboxer, so don't ask me to beatbox for you. <laughs> but anyway, boxing. I don't do it much, but yes. You've seen it before. So that's the, that's the sixth element. And then we added street fashion, street language, and street entrepreneurialism um, as the to round out the then nine elements of the hip hop culture. Um, you know, we went into the fashion industry and totally innovated the fashion industry in the 90s with streetwear. Um, and a lot of different designers um, like Sean Puffy Combs and, and other designers came in with high fashion as well, too, um, and went in there and uh, created all brand new fashion lines based off hip hop culture. 
Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of people that are uh, in hip hop that went into the film industry and the entertainment industry and did very well there. Um, you can see Ice-T all the time uh, on his show uh, that he has. Um, Queen Latifah did really good in acting and, uh, you know, and just, just so many actors out there that were MCs or a part of hip hop culture that just went into that. So, um and then there's a lot of different people that learn business through hip hop culture that never would have, you know, they didn't go to college, they didn't have, they don't have a business degree, but you know, some of them are running multi million dollar organizations, employing thousands of people through hip hop culture, you know, and found their passion and their purpose in life through hip hop culture. I don't have a degree. But I have people that have degrees that work for me. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, uh, um, it's an, it was uh, hip hop street entrepreneurialism is an amazing thing because when I um, was a young person in my, you know, teens and uh, early twenties, you know, in America it was a different time. Um, there was like right now you have on the streets you have fentanyl and things like that. Kids are overdosing from that stuff. Um, when I was coming up, they had crack, you know, and a lot of people um, in our communities um, either went to jail or died or, you know, got murdered or a lot of different, you know, terrible things were happening in our communities. And if it wasn't for hip hop, I think that number would have doubled or tripled. You know, so hip hop saved a lot of people's lives, uh, you know, as well, too, because there's an outlet now to do something positive with your life. Uh, you know, when you're in a when you're a young person, and I'm sure the million grandmothers out there know when you're a young person that age that, you know, there's choices that you can make to go one way or choices that you make to go another way. You know, so luckily I was one of those people that, you know, I made a choice to go the bad way <laughs> for a while. Um and then I got myself back to uh, my foundation, you know, and I'm 31 years clean and sober right now. So, um, you know, and, um, and living my purpose uh, through hip hop is green. So those not, go, go ahead. Do you feel in some way that the stability of being raised by your grandmother helped you find your way out of the addiction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't come from a really, um, broken family bad you know I, I came from a middle class hardworking family that you know I just you know ended up hanging out the, with the wrong people you know and my grandmother and my mother and my uh, father and you know all the people around me you know laid a foundation for me that was just a, a awesome foundation and childhood that I had from one to 12. It was just an awesome life that I had. And I used to go to camp every summer and we went to camp one time. Um, and, uh, people should know in the Northwest, we have something called the San Juan Islands. And you can go to the San Juan Islands. It's almost close to British Columbia. And um, they're just small islands that you can go to, but they have a, a camp there um, that kids can go to. And so I went to camp, summer camp and I'll tell you a story. We were canoeing and, you know, at summer camp, I learned how to canoe. I did all these things and we were canoeing from one little island to another. And about maybe 30 feet away from us was a pod of orca whales that was just 
hanging out with us while we were on our our uh, um our canoes so it was a life-changing experience that i had so i had a beautiful wonderful childhood just strayed uh you know in the wrong way because i mean you know that's what it is sometimes with kids but my grandmother always prayed for me. She taught me the right ways to go. Uh, and when I woke myself up and had to get my life straight, I could I could land back on those values for me. Um, but shout out to the people who didn't grow up that way, who didn't have the grandmother and the family that I had and all that stuff, who didn't have nothing. And they still came and rose like a rose through the concrete and made something out of themselves through hip-hop culture or through whatever and that are still here to share that those people are superheroes so um shout out to those people so yeah, yeah. rose i think here there's lots of wild roses and they're very um adaptive you know like a lot of the wild medicine is very adaptive and so that's that's that whole whole rose growing through the cracks of the concrete that's a beautiful and I see a wild rose you know like we were kind of wild and we have the spirit that just doesn't give up and and you know I was a social worker at one point in my life and I went oh. to a, I went to a conference and um for children that had you know a really hard childhood and all kinds of abuse uh survivors that were able to rise above it and they said they just needed one person in their life that believed in them and guided them. And it mm. wasn't a parent. Often it, they lived in very destructive cultures, but it was one person who stayed to let them know they were, they were being taken care of, that, that they, they were there for them. And it was just that one person. So I bet Keith, you've been that one person for so many people that just warms my heart. Thank you for being that one person. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. There's been so many people for me, so many, you know, that that helped me out, that mentored me. And um, matter of fact, one of the people that when I was in, I went to drug treatment center um, here in Seattle. And one of the people that ran the, the center, his name is Richard Busby, uh, rest in peace. He just passed away um, last week and it was his memorial on Friday. And so you know, he was one of those guys that uh, just mentored me, you know, and was a, an example of someone who uh, really cared about people. And they started a program here, um, you know, for, you know, drug and alcohol program. And him and his wife uh, started a program called Cedronar that I went to. And uh, they saved, you know, I don't know how many thousands of people's lives through the work that they did. So he just passed away. So rest in peace to uh, Richard, uh, one of my mentors that helped me out when I needed help. So I, I, I'm i here because I know that I'm here for a mission and a purpose, you know. And so Hip Hop is Green didn't start really in 2008 or nine. It started 31 years ago when I made the choice to uh, um, to come back 
to reality, <laughs> you know, from many years of abusing myself and find who I was uh, and find my purpose and my passion. And for 31 years, you know, I've been on that mission. And so now I'm at the point where I realized that um, I have a lot of things to give back to young people and I work with them um, and all people, you know, there's people in hip hop that, um, that I want to help because, um, you know, I can lead right into this. I we were talking about the um, hip hop entrepreneurs, which is the ninth element of hip hop street entrepreneurialism, right? Well, I came up with the idea to create the 10th element of hip hop because I had been working with a legendary hip hop uh, pioneer and artist. His name is KRS-One. I worked with him for several years and um, he mentored me and showed me um, about hip hop culture. And I took all those teachings and it dawned on me that hip hop needs health and wellness as part of its culture an official part. So I wrote the famous open letter to hip hop and I sent it to all the different legends and pioneers that I had known throughout the years saying, stating the case of why we need to add health and wellness as a, a part of hip hop culture. That was in 2015. So anyway, they gave me the support. Um, I raised, uh, um, they let me know, hey, how can we support you and all of that stuff? We think this is a wonderful idea, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we had an event um, at the Schomburg uh, Library in Harlem, right across from our, our Harlem Hospital in 2016. It's actually April 21st, 2016. We had the 10th Element of Hip Hop Health and Wellness Ceremony where we signed my 10th Element of Hip Hop Proclamation. And basically, health and wellness is part of hip hop culture now. So, um, and when we say that, we talk about plant based eating, animal rights, uh, food justice, organic farming, um, meditation and sobriety. All of these things are added into hip hop culture now. So, now, and, and I'm still learning. I'm, st you know, even though I created the 10th element of hip hop, it actually shows me stuff still, you know, even though I've created the idea, but I'm, I'm at the point right now where I'm realizing that I've opened up doors in hip hop that have never been opened up before. Now, instead of you being an MC or a DJ or a dancer or a graffiti artist, now you can be a geologist, a permaculturalist, uh, you can be a scientist, you can be all of you can be an engineer. All of these things come through the 10th element of hip hop. You could be a vegan chef. You could be an organic gardener. All of these different things, city planners. So it's just really opened up a whole array of new opportunities for young people to excel and find their purpose and their passion through hip hop culture. And I'm going to teach it to them because we need to train the next generation of climate change makers and people that have climate change and plant-based eating and living in balance with your environment at their heart of what they do. One of the young people that are a part of our program that just graduated this weekend 
He is a 4.0 student in, uh, um, in school. He wants to go into politics. They've invited him to Washington, D.C. for a big award ceremony for him. And hopefully one day he'll grow up to be a leader and a policymaker. And he'll think back and say, you know what? When I was a kid, I went through this program called the Youth Excellence Program with Hip Hop is Green. And they taught me all about climate change. And I'm going to make laws and it to to protect the animals and to protect our environment that's what we need because guess what the people that are in control right now are not doing a good enough job period you know so i'm working with young people so that we can change that wow thank you keith this has been an amazing amazing podcast interview with you and I guess my final question is, okay, well, we have a million vegan grandmothers that are coming together and we're part of the Climate Healer organization. And um, how would the grandmothers be able to support what you're doing? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so we're we're on a, uh, um, a campaign really to uh, get individual donors that donate like 10, 20 bucks a month it's not a big thing, you know, um, it's just maybe, you know, just a little support so that we can uh, continue all of our programs. Um, we, uh, I didn't let you know, but we planted 577 trees, this program with our kid, kids, and we, we plan on planting 10,000 trees. So we're partnered with the Washington State uh, Forestry Department and the Department of Natural Resources as well. And so we're on a mission to plant these trees. So we need support to plant these trees. Uh, we're building our kitchen as well too. So we need support to build our kitchen because it costs a lot of money to build a whole structure, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, our youth excellence program where we take kids out and then our hip hop green dinners, like give you an example. Um, when I started uh, Hip Hop is Green, my first hip hop green dinner, cost me $3,000 for everything. I think I got the venue for free. So it was $3,000 for everything other than that. But it grew so big. Like we have like five, 600 people coming to a hip hop is green dinner. And you can imagine feeding 500 to 600 people for free. The costs go up. So now to produce one hip hop is green dinner could run me about $15,000 just to produce one hip hop is green dinner. But the results from producing that one green dinner is worth it because we have kids that come there that get that epiphany moment that I was talking to you about that changed the way that they eat, changed the way that they think. And that's the most important uh, thing. And you can't put a price uh, on that. So, yeah. So if you want to donate to us, um, just come to hiphopisgreen.com. You'll see a donate button and just make a, a small monthly donation for us. Um, and we would really appreciate that. Thank you, Keith. And how can the grandmothers get involved? How can we work together, the grandmothers? And because, you know, we talk a lot about youth and, and I have these amazing grandchildren and I know um, and I know what a gift we are in each other's lives, you know, my grandchildren and and, yeah. and the grandmother wisdom that come, that I bring forth. So how do you see in the future uh, Hip Hop is Green and, and, you know, working with the soil and working with, you know, different projects with the kids, the grandmothers being there working side by side with the with the youth? 
Yeah, you know what? I would love grandmothers to come to our farm. I, I know that, you know, if we have grandma, million grandmothers in Seattle area, you know, I definitely would love for some of them to come to the farm and, you know, help show the kids uh, how to grow food. My grandmother did it for me. Um, but I will tell you, though, we do have an initiative. Um, and so Cherry Street Farm is our model here in Seattle that we've created. But we are in different cities um, and we want to take this model and move it to different cities, urban areas all around America so that it could be a hub for the 10th element of hip hop. So people can come in, learn about climate change, learn about plant-based eating, learn how to grow food, all the things that we do at Cherry Street Farm. So that's our thing. So hopefully I'll be able to interact with a lot of, you know, the million grandmothers in different cities when we get to, you know, moving our model around the country. Well, this has been a great podcast. Thank you so much, Keith, for your time and your presence and your never ending ability to bring people together and 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 be so cool because that's how we bring the young people here right thank you for being cool like you said until until hip-hop is green took over we weren't cool enough and so the grandmothers want to be part of that cool uh, revolution that's able to draw the young people in so thank you very much thank you we got a lot of hip-hop grandmothers and we got a lot of hip-hop grandfathers too so uh, hip-hop is 50 years old now so <laughs> so it's it's a natural thing Thank you so very Thank much. You. We'll talk Thank again. you so much. Okay.